It wasn't very many years ago girls that y'all were singing with the children, right? Not very many at all. What a glorious morning it's been to worship and to celebrate. I praise the Lord for our children, and I noticed most of them headed up this way after they got singing, so most of them were up in the balcony. Thank you, children. And I wanted to remind you that our children meet every Wednesday at 6 o'clock, and they have a time of music, of missions, and of fellowship of games that they enjoy each week, and that is open to all children. Uh, we have preschool ministry, obviously, that goes on at that time, but grades uh, 1 through 5 meet together and enjoy that, uh, that time of learning and music and missions, and we want to invite any of you to come and to be a part of that ministry on Wednesday nights. Our family meal is at 5.15, and if that helps out, then it's a great time of fellowship around the table as well. I'd remind us that even now, our youth are on their way back from Falls Creek after a weekend of fellowship, of study, of worship, and uh, they've had a morning of worship today and, and a, uh, a worship and lesson today, and they're on their way back so that they can join us at the end of our worship and head home with their, their parents. And parents, hopefully they'll have a, be quiet around your house today and they'll want to catch up on their sleep as well. I'm reminded as Vicki came to share with us this morning, Vicki is our, our Minister of Community Impact, working with our, our Community Impact Ministries, but also with our 55 plus group. Vicki, you've been on staff about 35 years, never had an extended time of Sabbath, and we are, have been working with Vicki to offer and to provide that opportunity for her. And that'll begin next, a week from Tuesday. Uh, she wanted to make sure she was a part of the planning and leadership for Funny Face next week. But uh, Vicki will be taking a time, about six weeks, of physical and spiritual renewal for her to rest and to uh, just to, to take time away. To pray and to fellowship, to rest, and to be renewed spiritually and physically, emotionally, in all those ways. So, Vicki, we appreciate your ministry so much and be praying for you as you get this season of Sabbath rest in front of you. If you would, turn with me to James chapter 5. We are in the midst of a, a series called Stories of Healing. And one of the things we want to focus and talk about today is the issue of healing and prayer. And we want to go to James chapter 5, but I also want to take time over these next weeks to reflect on some of the stories of healing uh, that, that are a part of the Old Testament. I know as New Testament people, sometimes we forget about the foundation and the roots that are laid in the Old Testament. And there are those seasons of life, especially in our own personal growth and development, in our own seasons of worship, that we want to go back and reconnect to that foundation in the Old Testament. So we'll be doing that as well over these next weeks as we hear and reflect on the stories of healing in Scripture. But look what it says in James. James, the, the brother of Jesus, the, one of the key leaders, he and Peter, one of the key leaders of the church of Jerusalem, uh, the early church of Jerusalem, and notice the words of James to the church. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Then she must pray. Is anyone cheerful? Then they are to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then you must call for the elders of the church. And they are to pray over you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. 
Certainly, as we talk about healing and praying for healing, we must acknowledge and understand and really kind of work through what I call the dilemma of prayer and healing. Now, we all have stories and we all, we've all prayed for healing and we've seen God work in incredible ways. Some would even call miraculous ways to bring about healing and renewal and restoration. And that can be a, a, from a physical disease or illness, from, from a physical accident. It can be in the areas of relationships and, and spiritual matters as well, where God does a miracle in our lives. We know that prayer was a key part of that. Prayer is, as we pray, as we ask others to pray for us, and we see the power of prayer. But we also all have experienced those times in our lives where we've prayed for healing, and at least the type of healing that we would like to see never comes about. We pray that we might be healed from, from this disease, and yet healing doesn't happen. And we pray that, that as we have an accident, that, that we might be prayed from the effects and the long-term consequences of that accident, and yet healing doesn't happen. We've prayed that God would heal broken relationships and mend our, our, our brokenness and in our minds, and our emotions, and yet we still struggle because it just seems that the healing in the way that we would ask for doesn't come. And we would cry out, God, we want to be that person that, that gives testimony to you. We'll go on the radio and on the TV. They can make a movie about my life. If, if you'll just heal me or heal my loved one and, and you'll get all the glory. And yet healing doesn't come. And so we ask the question, does it really matter that we pray? And so we have this struggle. And what we can be assured of, and, and I think comforted of today, is that regardless of where we are in our suffering, in our sickness, our illness, our disease, that God invites us and asks us to pray. And God wouldn't ask us to pray if it was just a meaningless ritual or act of religion. And we also know that even as healing comes in ways that we may not pray or expect, that we can know that God is always with us. And God's presence is there to comfort us. And that in Christ Jesus, we can have the hope that whether healing comes in this life, as we would desire, that we can be confident that healing happens and occurs as we would move from this life into eternal life and eternity. This morning, I want us to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 14 through 16. It's the story of King Asa. And I'm hopeful as we reflect on the life of King Asa that we can be encouraged in our own journey of healing. Although what we're going to discover is that King Asa, this king of God, this man of God, struggled towards the end of his life with his own faith and his, his own pursuit of God to the extent that we see him getting sick and not turning to the Lord. So... If you would, let's follow along and, and let's notice this key idea, this key theme of Asa's life is that he sought God and he led his people, the people of Judah, to seek God 
in all things. We begin with his story in 2 Chronicles 14, chapter 2. And I just want to run briefly through these two and a half chapter, chapters. Notice in verse 4, excuse me, in verse 2, that the scripture says that Asa did good and right in the sight of God, in the sight of the Lord his God. Now remember, this is at the beginning of the divided kingdom. You have Israel to the north, and you have Judah and Benjamin to the south. Israel is the ten tribes of, of, of Jacob, and Judah and Benjamin, the other two that split apart in this divided kingdom. And we know the history of Israel in that northern kingdom is that they continuously turned away from God and that eventually they were overcome and defeated by their enemies and Israel disappeared from the map, the, the northern tribes. Yet Judah along the way had good kings, kings that sought after the Lord and sought to do God's will and King Asa was one of them. And in the formula, in the way that the story of the kings is told in the books of Kings and the books of Chronicles, at the beginning of their reign, uh, of the story of their reign, we see the phrase that they, they, they followed the Lord or they didn't. And here we are given the, the information at the beginning of King Asa's reign that he did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord. In verse 4, Asa commanded Judah to seek the Lord of the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and his commandments. Look at verse 7. The land is ours because we have sought the Lord our God and we have sought him and he has given us rest on every side. One of the key characteristics of, of Asa's reign was the peace in the land, the, the, the time that there were no wars in the land. But as we continue with the story, that time of peace was not yet to come. Because the Ethiopians came against Judah with their million-man army. And the scripture tells us that the army of Judah and of, of, uh, of Benjamin was about five, a little over 500,000 men with spears, with shields, with bows. But the army of Ethiopians was an army of a million men with 300 chariots. Be like in our understanding of World War II, the Blitzkrieg, Right? One side had all the tanks and the heavy armor and the other didn't. They had more men. It, it was, Judah was doomed in this battle. Yet the scripture says they sought the Lord. And the Lord God rose up and they defeated. King Asa and his armies defeated Ethiopia, the king of Ethiopia. Returned their armies back to their place because they sought the Lord, their God, first. Look at verse 12. Then Asa called to the Lord after they had sought the Lord and in seeking the Lord said, there is no one beside you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. So help us God. Asa sought God. He knew the odds were against him. And he said, there's no one beside you to help in the battle. And when we get into that time of illness, when we get into that time of suffering, many times we feel like there's, there's no one there that can help me. There's no one who can come alongside of me except you, oh God. And Asa reached out just as we are too. And to cry out when we feel that we, we can't win the battle, when we feel like we have no strength left. We seek the Lord as we cry out to Him, as we pray to Him, as we ask God for His help. 
Chapter 15, verse 2. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Isn't it interesting here that the opposite of to seek God is to forsake God. The opposite of to pursue God and to seek after him is to turn your back on him and to forsake him and to disobey him. And the prophet here says that we are to seek God. And if we seek God, we will find him. We will discover his presence among us chapter 15 verse 4 in their distress they the children of Israel King Asa turned to the God of Israel and they sought him and he'd let them find him verse 12 Asa and Judah entered into a covenant to seek the Lord with all of their heart and with all of their soul verse 15 they sought him earnestly and he let them find him so the Lord gave them rest Shalom, peace, wellness on every side. But as we finish up in chapter 15, there's a key transition here. In verse 19 it says, There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. In chapter um, chapter 16, verse 1, In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah. There was peace in the land as long as they sought the Lord. But something has happened here. Something has happened in in year 35 and 36 of Asa's reign. It's as if his heart had turned from the Lord. His heart was calloused against the Lord. And, And what had happened, because of the prosperity and peace in Judah, those from Israel, the northern tribes, were beginning to wander and migrate down south because things were good. Life was great in Judah. And so the people of God began to to migrate. And so the king of Israel became concerned about that. And he began to fortify kind of the, the border town. The last city on the road to Judah, he began to fortify with his army. And he began to strengthen to keep people from migrating back and forth. And Asa became concerned. But instead of seeking God, he sought the king of Aram. And he made a deal with the king of Aram and he took, he took money from the temple of the Lord and he went to the king of Aram and he presented him with this bounty of wealth and money and he said, King, if you'll break your covenant, if you'll break your treaty with Israel and you'll attack them and attack them along the border towns of the north, then that'll relieve the pressure on us. And so the king of Aram was, was no fool. He took the bounty. And he attacked Israel and he broke the the treaty with Israel and he attacked those border communities and he plundered and took the wealth from those communities as well. And of course, in the the consequence of that was that the king of Israel pulled back from that border town and had to redistribute his forces. And one of the prophets of Israel, excuse me, of Judah, of God, came to King Asa and said, you have rejected the Lord. You have not sought after the Lord. He, he rebuked the king and the king became upset. And the king threw the prophet in prison. And there were others in Judah that were concerned that the Asa had not sought the Lord in this matter. And, and those that rose up and spoke against him were, were oppressed and punished. And we see the turning of Asa's heart. Now look back in the story. In verse 7, it says, You relied on the king of Aram 
and you did not rely on the Lord. And therefore, in year 36, you will have wars in the land once again. You see, Asa's turn of heart, it didn't just affect his, his political and his military strategies. It, it changed his heart. It, it changed who he was and what he sought after. We continue on at the end of this, at the end of this story. Look in verse 12. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. He had a disease that was severe in his feet. He, he, imagine he couldn't walk. The pain, the disease was so great. Yet even in his disease, even in his pain and suffering, even in his sense of hopelessness, even in this, he did not seek the Lord, but rather he sought the physicians. Now, before you start throwing rocks, we're not, we're not saying don't seek physicians. The point is that we seek God first. But we also need to understand what, what we mean by physicians in this context. This is not, again, an admonition to refuse medicine and to care physicians. But rather, we must understand that in ancient medicine, that cures and healings were, were tied to charms and incantations and mysticism to, to drive out or expel disease and the, the spiritual forces behind certain diseases and illnesses. So the implication of this passage is that instead of seeking the Lord for healing, and there's stories of where the prophets brought healing into the lives of others, instead of seeking a prophet of the Lord, instead of seeking doctors and physicians of the Lord, the implication is that Asa sought healing through the practitioners of other cults and other religions. And history tells us that, that those countries that were well off and that could, could afford the luxury would employ Egyptian physicians to come in and were held in high regard at that time for their ability to cure and to bring healing from disease. So it's likely that in Asa's court he had employed Egyptian physicians or, or physicians of other gods. And it was those physicians that he sought Instead of the Lord. All of Asa's life, he sought the Lord and led his people to seek the Lord. Yet here in the last years of his life, Asa did not seek the Lord. He didn't seek him concerning his business and his nation. And he did not seek him concerning his own health and wellness. Instead, he turned to other gods and other people. So with the story of King Asa in mind, let us consider this morning the way of healing. First and foremost, we must always seek God first. Seek God first. I referred to this passage a couple of weeks ago. Psalm 139 verse 14 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you know that your body is made to heal? When your body is healthy and when, when it becomes sick, when injury comes, your body is created and made to heal. When you are cut and you start bleeding, your body is made to clot. 
And when germs and infections might enter into your body and come through those, those cuts and wounds that you receive, not only is your body made to clot so that, that, that you don't bleed to death, but your body is also made to send forces against those germs and those infections, the, your white blood cells, your blood platelets. Everything in your body is created and made to respond to those invaders, those germs and diseases that come. Why? Because you were made to heal. If you break a bone, your bones are created when they're broken to, to fuse back together. That's why you want a, a good physician to line those bones up so that they fuse back together, they heal back together because you were created and made to heal. Those of you that, that work out regularly, you take advantage of this truth. You understand that when you work out, you don't get stronger unless you do what? unless you tear your muscles because your body is created to heal those muscles and when they heal back they do what they become stronger through my chemo process I was introduced to a drug and I've shared this before called the the red devil it, it earned it it earns its name it's one of the 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 the, the the strongest chemo drugs that is out there. You know what it does? You know what the Red Devil does? It kills every fast-growing cell in your body. That's its target. It doesn't distinguish. Cancer is a fast-growing cell. And so the good news is it kills your cancer cells. The bad news is your hair is a fast-growing cell. <laughs> yeah, I know. Your hair comes out. Your, your bone marrow creates these white blood cells in, in, in your blood platelets to fight infection. It has to do that quickly. It's a fast-growing cell in process. The chemo kills those things. So when you go through chemo, you become very vulnerable to sickness. The cells in the linings of your esophagus are fast-growing, quick-growing cells. And so nausea... The reflux, your, your, your food doesn't taste well, you, you don't get hungry. Why? Because it attacks the fast-growing cells. But medicine is taking advantage of this wonderfully and fearfully made body because it knows what? Science knows that if it kills all these fast-growing cells, if you can get rid of all the cancer cells, that it won't come back. But it knows that your hair is going to come back and that your body's going to respond as it repairs and heals itself. We are fearfully and wonderfully made and we are created to heal. James 5 verse 13 that we already read says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Then you must pray. If you're suffering through life, if you're suffering through sickness and illness, the first thing that we're called to do is to pray, is to seek God to pray for healing for our body, yes, but also for our soul and for our spirit. To pray for God's grace and mercy in our lives. To pray for forgiveness. We all realize, don't we, that, that when others hurt us and come against us, we're hurt relationally, we're hurt emotionally. That that person a lot of time goes on and doesn't even think about it. And we're the ones that keep continuing to be injured and hurt and broken because we don't seek forgiveness. We don't ask for forgiveness. We don't receive forgiveness. 
If you're suffering, pray. Begin with God. Begin with the Lord. Confess your anger, your bitterness, your your hurt and your brokenness. We begin first with seeking God. But then the second way of healing that I want us to consider is that we also call upon the church. Again, in James 5.14, is anyone among you sick? Then here's your responsibility. First you pray, and then what do you do? You call for the leaders of your church to pray over you anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. You see where the initiative of the, sick, of the sick is to seek God's people, to seek the leaders, to seek those that, that, that you respect and that mentor you and that, that lead you. And you ask them to come and to pray for you. You must take the initiative. You must seek God. But then as a part of seeking God, you must seek the church and its leaders. You must ask them to come and to pray one of the, the frustrating things that we share as a staff is that when people have, have surgeries and procedures and they're sick and they get upset because the pastor didn't show up or the ministers didn't come and we go, well, we didn't know about it. <laughs> well, we told our Sunday school class, well, we didn't know about it. We have to take the initiative to call, to ask, and to invite the leaders, the ministers, our teachers to come and to pray over us. I love this phrase of anointing. Certainly anointing is a beautiful picture of asking the Spirit of God to come and to to call the Spirit of God to come and to be a part of that healing process. But it's also a part of of the church nurturing. Because we know that that oils can can also be a part of, of, of that healing process as well as you might massage or rub oil into the body. And so I think this is a picture of, of the church praying. But it's also praying and asking the Spirit of God to come and to, to heal. But it's also a picture of the church coming alongside to nurture and to do whatever it can. And to walk alongside of that person so that they might be healed. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says that we, we call upon the church because why? Because we will be able to comfort those in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. One of the reasons that we, we must call upon the church is because we must understand that the church is the people of God as peoples in this world that we experience all aspects and areas of life Just because you're a follower of Christ or a member of the church, that does not immune you from any of the suffering and hurts and pains and illnesses of this life. Yet, what the church knows is that the God of all mercy and comfort comes to comfort us in our sickness, in our affliction, in our brokenness. And those of you that have been there, I know part of my journey of experiencing the comfort of God's people and of of the Lord during this season for me is that now I have a new perspective on suffering and on healing and on being comforted. And and I have already been able to share that comfort. And as we look around this congregation, each one of us have, have suffered and been comforted in some way. And now when we become sick and ill, when we hurt We're to go to the church. We're not to isolate ourselves. We're to go to the church and ask them to pray and to come alongside. Why? Because we've experienced life. 
And we've all been through, we've been through all the illnesses and the diseases and the tragedies of life have been experienced in this place. And when you come and you ask for prayer, it allows those folks, those folks who've received healing, those folks who have grieved the death of the one they've prayed for, they can come alongside of you and bring healing and comfort and encouragement to you. They can help you when you ask the question, how can I live now that God has not answered my prayer the way that I want to? And folks in this church and congregation can come alongside of you. And that's why we first call and seek God, but that's why we second must call upon the church to come around us. The third way of healing, yes, finally, right? Our doctors in the house are, are looking for this one, right? We should seek physicians. We should seek doctors. We should seek mental health care professions. Those that can help us with, with our relational brokenness, our, our mental health and wisdom as well. For you see, there are times when the natural healing capacities of our body are not enough. And we need the help of others. We need the help of physicians. We need the help of medicines, of procedures, of therapies. We need the help of rehab in order to become well. As we experience the crises, the traumas, the accidents, the diseases, even as we come to grips with our own genetics and realize that some of the things we experienced we're just kind of put into our DNA from the beginning. And thank goodness for science and medicine and physicians that have dedicated their life to the healing of others. There's a beautiful passage in a book that's called the Sirach. It's from the wisdom, it's, it's part of the wisdom literature of the Apocrypha. It was written between the Old Testament and the New Testament, probably sometime in the second BC, century B.C., and it speaks to the Jewish people, the people of God, and their attitudes towards the practice of medicine and of physicians. It, it gives us a buffer between what we read earlier. Uh, Asa sought the physicians and not the Lord first. And it offers us this. It says, And give the physician his place. For the Lord created him or her. Let him not leave you, for there is need of the physician. There is a time when success lies in the hands of physicians, for they too will pray to the Lord that he should grant them, that the Lord should grant them success in diagnosis and in healing for the sake of preserving life. God's people have a long-standing tradition of seeking the help of physicians, those that are trained to bring healing. But again, first, we seek God. We seek God's people, the church, as we seek and ask for wisdom, as we seek and engage with physicians. Philip Yancey, in his book on prayer, takes this special chapter to talk about prayer and healing. And he says this, The best healing takes place when a person so lives, when a person lives so that a properly aligned soul, a properly aligned soul is reflective of seeking God and seeking God's people. When a properly aligned soul and spirit can direct the bodily healing prompted by good medicine, prompted by the art and the practice of medicine that doctors and physicians pursue. So it's not either or, it's both and. We seek God and we seek the help of physicians in our way. 
So let's reflect on the way of healing. The way of healing is that we seek God first. We call upon His church to come alongside and, and to nurture and to pray for us and to, to, to walk with us in this process even as we seek physicians. I want to close with a story. It's a powerful story from Tony Campolo. Campolo uh, ad admits and confesses that he does not have the gift of healing, but he had the opportunity at the end of a service to, to lead and direct what he called a, a brief and short healing service. And as he began to talk to the congregation about that, he said, I want to tell you what, what I want to give you two conditions to what we're about to experience. Number one, in response and reaction to, to those faith healers that just, you have a line of a hundred people and you just come through and touch them or bump them on the head or whatever you do. Uh, he said, I'm not going to do that. When you come forward, I want to visit with you for a few minutes and I wanted to know how to pray specifically for you. And this may take some time. And he said, then he confessed, I do not have the gift of healing, but I have the prompt to pray for you and to pray for the sick. And I want to be faithful to that. So after he closed the service down, they had about 30 folks that, that came along and, and asked for prayer. And he said it took a while, but he was able to pray with all of those folks and, and the families, the people that were with them. Two weeks later, a lady called. She said, my husband was one of the ones that you prayed for. He had cancer. And how is he? Asked Campolo. Well, he died. Campolo was caught off guard. He could only apologize and say, I'm sorry. But his wife went on to say, I called to say thank you for your prayers. Before... My husband, who was dying of cancer, was filled with anger against God and against everyone else. He was only 58, and he wanted to see his grandchildren grow up, so he would lie in bed and curse God, and nobody wanted to be around him, least of all, me. But after you prayed for him, everything changed. And the last two weeks we had together was the best time that we ever had together. We sang, we laughed, and we shared a time of incredible joy. And she paused, and she said this, My husband wasn't cured, but he was healed. And then Campolo realized, as we must today, any cure is only temporary. Folks, we're all going to die one day unless the Lord returns. But the grace of Jesus Christ to heal our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our lives is forever. Yes, we must continue to always pray for and believe that God can and does cure our bodies. But again, those cures are only temporary because these earthen vessels will one day breathe their last, whether it be by disease, by tragic accident, or simply by old age. So when we pray for healing, let us also be mindful that our hearts, minds, and souls are also in need of healing regardless of the progress of where we are with our physical bodies. 
And that their healing, the healing of heart, mind, and soul, that their healing is critical in our quest for physical healing and also for the healing that leads to eternal life with Christ. This morning we reflect on the ways of healing. And the question that I have for us today, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you sick? then we must pray. Seek God first. Pray. Seek the church and call upon the church and allow them to bring comfort and nurture to you. And seek the physicians and the wisdom and the knowledge that we have learned for health and physical and in our medical communities. This morning as you came in to worship, you received a card. I have mine here. It's a card that says stories of healing, a prayer for healing. What we want to do is invite you to take that first step of calling upon the Lord, of seeking the Lord. And we'd ask you, if you would, to, to write that prayer of healing, to write that, that prayer of suffering, to confess to the Lord where your hurt, where your brokenness is. And then if you would, during our time of response, we have boards here on the side for prayers of healing. And what we would ask you to do is just to take that card and to roll it up. And as an act of faith, as an act of prayer, is come and just place it in the, in the holes there, the chicken wire, and just place it there as a symbol and as a sign of your prayer and your reaching out to God. As we sing, would you seek God first? Would you seek Him that He would come and heal your brokenness, whether that be spiritual or emotional or physical? Would you seek His church? I'll be here, our ministers would be here to pray for you, maybe as a step of stepping out and calling upon the church. And then would you seek those physicians, those doctors, those trained folks that can help you in your journey of healing. Father, we thank you that you call us to pray. May we seek you first and foremost above all. May we make our commitments to do this. In the name of Christ, amen.